So today our guest is Jose Acevedo and the film's Eagle. I'm excited to talk to you, Jose, about the film, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What do you study? What makes you tick? I like I like starting with very specific biographical stuff and then ending with, and also what makes you tick in like the most existential sense. <laughs> no, I mean, we're really gonna get into the nitty gritty. We're gonna just yeah. deconstruct your personality. Um, I, um, yeah. In the very depth of your soul. <laughs> I'm originally from Chicago and Chicago, Illinois, the west side of the city. And yeah, went went to grew up there, went to high school there and then uh, went to the West Coast for college, got a scholarship to this little tiny liberal arts school called Pomona College. And then when I graduated, I was I know Pomona. Oh, it's yeah, great, yeah, great yeah. School. small school. I went there on what's called the Posse Scholarship and actually had never visited, had no idea what I was getting into. But I was like, this is my chance to go to the Midwest. So I, I took a scholarship. And then I went back home uh, unemployed and graduated into a recession and had no job prospects and was living at home, but was just like, I want to work in film and TV. And that's all I knew. And so, and then the last 10 years have just been slowly grinding in that field. Started out as my very first job was like a PA, a lockup PA on the set of Transformers 3 uh, when they were shooting in Chicago. And then... Worked, I love it. Yeah, and then worked in talk shows and then came to New York to be an NBC page and then worked at an agency and now have, you know, found myself as a television producer and filmmaker. And what and what makes me tick is is probably an endless need for validation from external sources, if I had to say something. <laughs> just like the rest of us. We're yeah. all, you know, <laughs> I mean that with all with all due respect, because I think that at the end of the day, people come to our business because they want eyes upon themselves, but also because they have something to say. You definitely have something to say in Eagle, which is a perfect segue to talk, start talking about the film. Would you synopsize it for us without giving everything away? Yeah, it's so funny to, to have you know a completed film that's only nine minutes and has like a bit of a structure that is a reveal. And then when you're asked to like, you know, give a synopsis, the the closest I've come to like feeling like I can say what it is without saying what it's about is it's about a high school senior in Brooklyn who uh, gets some very good news on probably the worst day of his life. Exactly. And that's a great way to put it. And you know, there's a lot of wisdom being imparted from this film in very unexpected ways. And the, one of the first things I want to comment on is you have a very funny opening sequence, which is laced with the N-word. Talk to me about why you made that choice. Yeah, I mean, well, firstly, I did thank you for finding, well, yeah, thank you for finding humor in the film as a whole, because I, my entire past and, and you know, all the work I've done has been in the comedy space. And this was my first time being like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make something dramatic that is about these things that I really care about. And I've thought about a ton. And uh, I just always assumed it was like this sort of straight drama. And then when people start to see it, they're like, oh, man, that's really funny. And I'm like, I guess I, it's just in there, you know, like no matter what you're trying to do, it's, it's still there if that's what you do. And so, yeah, just so thank you for that. But yeah, you know, the, the thing about that word is that I am hundred percent Puerto Rican raised on the West side of Chicago, which is an incredibly segregated city. I grew up around nothing but Puerto Ricans and, you know, there was the diversity was color. You know, there was a lot of like colorism and that kind of stuff. Of course, we weren't calling it then because we didn't have a word for it. And there was 
diversity of what kind of Latino you are. So it was mostly Puerto Ricans and then like some other types of uh, Latinx people in there. And everyone just felt comfortable using the N-word, felt like they had claim to it. And, and it was something that, you know, looking back now, I always wonder where that comes from, what that relationship is that the Latinx, you know, community has to that word. And I've always found it interesting to like unpack and talk about. It's like a word I never use, a word that when I was 12 years old on the basketball court, everyone was using, even though none of us were black and it was just fine. And I think that I wanted to just like talk about it and hopefully not have it sound like, oh, we're just using this word to use it in a funny context. Cause that I feel like it has no place in film. Yeah, that came through for me. And I feel like for me, I can partially answer that or at least give you my perspective, mm-hmm. which is that I find that a lot of ethnic groups use that word, you know, as a form of self-identification. Mm-hmm. I've seen Asian kids using it. It's become less of an ethnic term and more of an almost outsider term in a way. Like you're an American, but you're this other thing. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, I also feel like it's it's sort of a word that is interesting in that you don't get to define whether or not it's appropriate for you to use that word, right? Like, I think that it's something that comes from the culture you're in, the people around you. And like, for myself, it's like, again, like, I just like reached a point where I was like, I can't say that word. Like, I have no claim to that word. And a lot of people I grew up with that are still on in the West Side of Chicago, like, still use that word. And like, you know, have no issues with it and get no flack for it. And I think that's totally fine. But I just think the conversation around that word is much more nuanced than it often gets presented in, in, in film. Yeah. Or you think black and white, you know, that issue. Yeah. Brown and black is, is something else. It's very different. You're saying something in a different way because usually when it's white mm-hmm. and black, it's usually oppressive and aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that was the goal to talk about it through like my very specific lens as like, a Puerto Rican and who's had that conversation, that liter- that exact conversation with other Puerto Ricans. And I've had it with black friends to talk about what it means for Puerto Ricans to use that word. And like, you know, it, there's no one answer. It is something that I thought would be fun to shine a light on in terms of just like giving voice to that notion of like the Latinx community. And to your point, exactly the way that that word has come to mean something that has to do with oppression and something that has to do with inclusion and that's that's sort of how it ended up in the in the script no i find it fascinating and then you know moving on as i've said i'm not going to give any spoilers away but with the second sequence because i really marked this into four areas the second sequence with the knees being parted is also hilarious (laughs) even though that's there's this really profound story being told there's this this whole thing has a kind of an absurd undertone yeah, it was it was funny because I wrote that part first. The, that was sort of the genesis of the film was just this image of a high school guidance counselor telling this sort of this Native American fable to a student and him feeling like it has one very specific empowering meaning and that student sort of feeling like that's bullshit. And I wrote it very specifically for Roy Wood Jr., who I knew and had worked with in my capacity as a television executive. And I just, when I was started thinking about it and I started writing, I was like, I'm writing in Roy's voice. So I leaned into that because 
he, in my mind, is one of, if not the funniest comedians working right now. But also in in his in his life, in his his real life, when he's not his onstage persona, is still very funny, but also has like an incredible well of empathy that he's always drawing from and an incredible way of speaking to you so that you feel heard and an incredible way to like couch very serious topics in jokes. And so that was sort of like how it started was like just this image of Roy telling that story to a young kid, like your life's about to change in the best way. And it sounds so sweet coming out of Roy. And then the longer it goes on, you're like, actually, this might be horseshit. <laughs> it was great. It was one of the, well, I love this film because each one of these sequences has a funny twist to it. In the next sequence, I'm even more shocked by what happens when our young protagonist surprises everybody, including himself, and makes a very interesting split decision. And you know. That to me was like what was at the crux of the film in terms of like the things that I love in terms of like movies and like any media really television is like i love high school narratives so much and i especially love high school narratives about kids from working class neighborhoods people of color but i think that most of the time and i really consider myself a student of those movies i feel like those movies follow this arc of like a, a good kid in a bad situation faces a choice to do the right or wrong thing does the right thing at the last second and then you know gets into harvard and i just felt like yeah that's that's a perfectly valid narrative and, and works wholly and like is very satisfying but i really wanted to do something that felt like another aspect of something that really happens to kids from these kinds of environments which is they choose neither of these paths or they choose the wrong path or in the moment things just don't go their way which is just as likely of a thing to happen to someone who's dealing with these sort of life or death moments at every turn. And so, yeah, I, I love that everyone who's watched it has been like, oh, the sort of first, I guess it's not a spoiler to say, the first piece of violence that happens in that sequence, I was you know, shocked. But the second piece, I was shocked but also finally understood who that character is and that i think is what i was going right for. and it came through and i think he understood who he was whether he was yes. the chicken or the eagle yeah and and then i think that it's it's such a funny thing that you saying that i'm like oh is this is this just three beats of the same story <laughs> it's like is it just getting more active and more active but it is really i think you know especially in short film you really want to live in your theme and like get it out and get it out as cleanly as possible. And I, I felt like that was a way to do it, you know, with that, with that third sequence. It worked for me. And then the finale was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the finale was really, you know, it's funny. Cause like I, this was my first time directing. I've only ever written things and mostly worked only like sketch comedy. Congratulations that on that. Thank you. Thank you. And I wasn't even going to direct it until my fabulous producer, Lexi Tannenholtz, she was like, do you think you ever want to direct? And I was like, of course. And she was like, well, then why won't you direct this? And I was like, well, because I don't want to fuck it up. And she was like, so you wrote the thing and you won't let yourself do it because you're worried you're going to ruin it. So what do you think someone else who writes a thing and you ask them to direct it, what do you think they're going to think? And I was like, 
oh right like no one no one's gonna give you that tip everyone's worried you're gonna fuck it up so you gotta just try <laughs> she puts you in the chicken eagle situation too <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and, and and it was just this moment of clarity that was like all right well i might screw it up this might be very bad but then i'll have done it at least <laughs> and so and so with that sort of motivation and sort of liberation i i went into directing it and originally again because my my background is more in writing i had written a final sort of scene tag that does the work that we ended up doing visually and that just came about from really one of the things i brought that i was trying to do in making this was like this is my first time directing i'm going to listen very closely to what every other person who has a job you know who has a part in making this movie listen to them talk about what they're really good at and try and incorporate all the things they're really good at into what I'm trying to do. So long as I keep in mind that like, I'm the only one that like actually knows the most about the story I'm trying to tell. And so, you know, when it came time to sit down and make a shot list with my director of photography, Connor Murphy, who's this brilliant cinematographer, when we, we had done our location scouts and, you know, he was like, we were drawing up some storyboards and he was like, this shot's going to be so beautiful. I feel like you could use it at the beginning and the end. And I just sort of, my eyes just sort of bugged out of my face. And I was like, I've been beating my brains against the wall, trying to write this sort of one page ending that does the work that could just be what you're suggesting and could just, you know, make it sort of this reflexive thing. And, and, and I was just like, that to me was the moment that I was like, like that magic moment in, in the making of this thing where I was like, I want to do this forever because I just want to have more moments like that in my life. <laughs> There's something very, very magical about collaborating with people. And it's sort of like one plus one equals 100 sometimes. Yeah, it was really just like one of the, and I, just, I remember so vividly because Lexi was, my producer was there too, Lexi. And, and when he said that, he was just, you know, looking at a sheet of paper, drawing a storyboard. And he was like, you can use this at the end too. And we both just like, our eyes shot towards each other. Like that's the thing we've been trying to fix, you know, for the last couple of weeks. But, and again, I think that because I'd spent so much time thinking about what the story is, I was like, that's the perfect expression of what I'm trying to have happen in the story. And yeah, it was just one of those true moments where you're like, thank God, like I came into this just trying to keep my ears open. Yeah, no, it's true. It's funny that storytelling on the page is one thing, but storytelling on the screen involves so many hands and you have to be so open to making that effective. I agree. And I just think that, you know, there's, there's of course these auteurs who truly know what they're going to do every single step of the way. And uh, who knows, maybe one day I'll be Robert Rodriguez and it'll say shot chopped and scored by but i'm like today i'm like let's learn from everyone on set and everyone is better at their job than me so like i have to be looking out for the ways in which they're gonna like make every part of this better and and yeah it was just like a joy to go through that process and realize oh this can be really really fun when it's not nerve-wracking and scary and really hard <laughs> Well, I think on some level, there's always a bit of nerves. We had the, we've had the pleasure of working with some of the great directors. I won't name drop, but they're always a little nervous. You know, there's no telling because there's this uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen ever. But the one thing I do know about those guys is that and girls is that they often work with the same people over and over again. There's an interesting assurance that comes with repetition. And the things you're saying when you know you can trust someone why replace them? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the sort of 
things I had that was helpful training in, in terms of the move towards directing was, you know, having worked in television as a development executive and having been on sets and watched pilots get shot and watched directors and talk to them and look over their shoulder and, 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 you know, be blessed to have done that and, and realize that like, oh, they're, they have a shorthand with everyone on set with them because they make that decision to be like, this is, this is my woman. This is my guy. Like these are, this is my person. Like this, this is who I go to time and time again, because once someone gets it right and you're part of that team and you go through the process of making something, it is like, you know, you all give a little bit of yourself to this thing and you, you're now like a little bit of a family. So why wouldn't you want to um, explore that again in a new way with the same group of people? And so for me, it was, again, my producer Lexi put a lot of people in front of me that she had worked with before. And, you know, I trusted her, so she trusted them. And then it all just came together with a, a group of people that I, I feel like really bolstered the project as a whole. So what's the biggest thing you feel you learned in this process that you didn't know before you started? The biggest thing I learned was, you know, I am a, a, a little bit, I'm addicted to school. I'm addicted to taking classes. Like, you know, when I wanted to get into comedy, I went to UCB. And like when I was in college, I found myself in creative writing classes. I'm not by any means an autodidact in that way. And what I learned was that when you're there, actually making a film and you are directing when you kind of can let go and and trust that like okay the one thing i sort of like know is like the the things that i need expressed moment to moment and so i would sort of if i could lead with that then like i could trust my instincts if that makes sense i've never been someone who trusts my instincts when it comes to like making decisions about the creative process but when you're there on the day and it's time to go for a take and something needs to be adjusted if you can if you do internalize the story to a certain degree you can you can say i don't know where you should put the camera or what kind of lens you can you should put on there like i'm not that kind of director but i am the kind of director that can say i need you to like be able to read this thing on the main character's face. So what can we do with the camera to make that happen better, make that happen more? And and it was like a great lesson in like trusting your instincts once you've prepped enough. I love it. It's a very long answer. <laughs> great answer. And then, you know, my final question is, as always, what's next? Yeah, I mean, what is next most likely is the end of the world. And then, <laughs> and then, Aside yeah. from that, let's get a project going before that yeah, yeah. happens. Assuming I don't get drafted into some sort of civil war, what will be next? Um, so I actually am currently serving as head of development for a TV and film production company. And what I love about that is it gives me a chance to sort of work in that way as I'm prepping the next thing I want to write and direct for myself. So doing that has has just always been so fulfilling and is a great job. And I think that for me, what I really want to do is the next short and, you know, be very methodical. And again, I'm like very much like addicted to being a student. So I'm, I'm one of those people who like watches all the documentaries about people and reads all these books about other masters of the craft. And it's like you hear all these stories about like Stanley Kubrick being like, OK, the last movie was good, but the music was bad. 
So the next movie, we're going to focus just on the music. And that's the, the one thing I'm looking for to be better. And then 2001 has the most memorable you know, music you've ever heard in your life. And so for me, what's next is to make another film and to really focus on being a more, a little bit more uh, visually kinetic is really, I want to learn how to like, I really want to learn those things I was talking about, about like, what, what are, what are all those lenses <laughs> and where can, where can we put the camera and like make interesting ha things happen with that kind of motion? Cause in, in this film, there is a one take sequence that I knew I wanted to do. It's like, you know, like a, to a 90 second single take that has a lot of action to it. And that was the thing I was most nervous to do, but also the thing that when we got it right, I felt like was was the most rewarding in the moment. And so I wanna do more things like that, where I feel like I'm challenging myself to think about different parts of filmmaking beyond the writing and the sort of performance. The divine discontent, never, never, never yeah. arrive. <laughs> always, always, always be searching. Right. <laughs> that's good. That's great. That's wonderful. That's that's like the hallmark of an artist. You're never satisfied. I feel like artist or just like malcontent, whichever one of those two. <laughs> well, who can tell the difference at the end of the day? Right, right. <laughs> well, Jose, I love the film. It's been great talking to you, and I look forward to the audience's reaction to your work. And good luck at the festival. Thank you so much. And I really just want to say, you know, thank you to you personally, Steve, for doing this. And thank you to the festival so much for having us all. Like, it's really, you know, now more than ever, like the idea of making independent films and having them seen just feels impossible. And so to have this kind of outlet and this kind of platform and feel so supported by Holly Shorts is just really, it's really special. And I, and I really thank you for, for being a part of that and empowering us all. And we appreciate that because that's definitely the aim to create a world, create a village, create a family and something that's not just for the duration of the festival, but really, but really for a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, let's hope so. I mean, I'll be sending you the next one and being like, so I'm automatically in this time, right? <laughs> well, you know, there is a process that everyone has to go through and that's not that easy. I will say this, there's a very rigorous process, so yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no tampering. Very democratic and very competitive and we're proud of that and i and i thank my lucky stars i made it through so <laughs> thank you so much we're happy to have you here sir i look forward to seeing you again soon all right bye-bye <laughs>